And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, good morning, everyone. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And this is such fun today because often my guests are people I have never met. And that's the power of social media. You know, we meet people online, we build these great business relationships with them, and we never see them face to face. But Today, I'm actually talking to somebody who I know and who I have met out in the real world, and that's what makes it so much fun because she is such a cool person. So please join me in welcoming Susan McMullen. Hello. Thank you for having me here today, Deb. I'm so excited to be a part of your show. Well, and we really are going to have so much fun today because we're going to be talking about telling stories. And everybody's going, what the heck does that mean? So we'll explain it later. But... For people who aren't familiar with you, let me tell them just a little bit about you. So Susan is the CEO and founder of Susan McMillan, and she helps you find the money in your message by using your life experiences to create compelling stories that draw others in. Whether you use your story in your elevator pitch, share it as your signature story, or use multiple stories when speaking to thousands, Susan helps you create and construct those so that others connect to you. And Susan and I met because Susan was doing a radio program that was the Better You Project. And I got to be a guest on her program. And so it's something, you've only been doing this for about six years because you were a nurse before this, correct? Yes, absolutely. Spent most of my life in nursing. <laughs> well, and you talk in, in uh, both on your website and, and you know in various places about as a nurse, you listen to people's stories. And that's fascinating to me. And some of my listeners will know that I've you know, been a little bit under the weather. And, you know, we, we do, we tell these stories and that's how people get to know us. It's how they get to love us. It's how they get to decide if they want to work with us or tell their friends to work with us. And the bad part is we've gotten away from that, especially with social media, because we, we are so caught up in this buy my product is the latest and greatest in the world. And you are an absolute idiot if you don't buy it. Mm-hmm that we forget that there's stories. So first, what what do you consider a story to be? Well, I tell, you know, stories are ways for people to peel back the layers of us and to connect better with one another. So okay. you're, you're so right. In social media, we've gotten to social media and networking in general. Right. You go to a networking event and everybody just kind of shoves their cards in front of each other and says, here's my product you know, you've got to have this, but nobody knows you, likes you or trusts you because they don't know anything about you. Right. So stories are, we've been telling stories for thousands of years. They capture our mm-hmm. attention. They, um, just, uh, they mesmerize us. And so if people would take the time to, uh, to just share, Telling stories is about sharing a little bit about yourself and building mm-hmm. those relationships a little bit at a time. When you meet a, a new person, you think, oh, I might want to be their friend. 
you don't just say, hey, let's be friends. Well, you might, but you don't know anything about them. And you've really already right. made some judgments on whether you think you're going to be friends or not be friends. And mm-hmm, then the mm-hmm. more that people share a little bit about themselves or about what they do, uh, whether it's in a personal relationship or a business relationship, that's how you start to learn more about them and say, hey, we have this in common. Let's build a relationship based on this or something to that effect. And it's the same with products. When you try to tell people to buy your product, if you'd show them what other people have done with it or the results they have gotten. And those are, you know, those are all stories in there. And somebody Mm -hmm. cautioned me one time. They said, well, large corporations really, really are leery of quote unquote stories. But really, when you think about it, case studies, uh, examples, those are all stories. It's just a different word for a story. So it's showing people and telling them, more about you, about your product, about your services, and then being able to build a relationship on something that's deeper than just the surface topic mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, and I think one of the problems is we've all been kind of taught or told that we need to always stay, and I'm putting this in, in my air quotes, professional. Uh-huh. And, that, and that we, you know, we shouldn't share our information. And as you were talking about this, I thought, immediately about how I even started the show. I said, you know, I'm passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media, blah, blah, blah. There was no story in that. Right. You know, and, and now granted, you can't always go into the story, but my philosophy is maybe that what you say should lead them to say why or tell me more. Right. And, and I think that we, you know, especially the, the 30 second elevator pitch, we practice it. We tell people what our product is and what they can get from benefiting from us. And, you know, and, and, and we don't tell that story. And then when you find out more about somebody, it's so cool. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of someone who I know who, um, is a CPA and she, you know, granted her 30 second speech is I'm a CPA. I help people do taxes and blah, 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 blah. But then when you get to know her, she talks about the fact that, you know, she was fired from her job and this was, you know, just kind of a, something that she'd always been interested in. And, and she really is, you know, fascinated with finding people ways that they can save money on their taxes. And, and, and that's when I thought, Ooh, that's the person I need to work with as opposed to I'm a CPA and I can do your taxes for you. Absolutely. The, those 30 minute, 30 second elevator pitches really make me laugh. And they're, they're necessary to tell because mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of time. I mean, you have a few seconds to tell somebody what you do, but they really don't tell people what you, I mean, they, they do on the surface, but not otherwise. And so mm-hmm. um, oftentimes when I'm in a networking event, I'll say, you know, I'm a, a branding strategist and I help people create amazing brands that are unforgettable by using their signature stories. And then people kind of look at me because some people get it and some people don't get it. Right. But usually the next question out of my mouth is tell me what you do or yeah, tell yes. me a little about you or something to that mm-hmm. effect. Because, you know, honestly, Deb, if I, if, if I told you, if I were on stage or at a networking event and I said something about my kids, then if you have kids, you're going to immediately connect with that. Or if you like dogs, right. you're going to immediately connect. And it just adds those different layers onto mm-hmm onto that connection and then building that relationship and gives you something more to talk about. And it was funny because, you know, we did have that podcast and that's where I met you. And when I found out you had a radio show, um, I was like, okay, we've got a, we got a deeper connection here. This is, you know, and so it's very interesting. Some people are afraid to open up. 
about themselves. Mm-hmm. They're afraid, again, that if they give too much information, they won't look, as you said, professional enough or mm-hmm. something to that effect. But I have always found that telling parts of my story are so much deeper and and con- and they also connect you with the right audience. So mm-hmm. for me, um, part of my story is, yes, I was a nurse for 26 years. And mm-hmm. I laugh and I say 25 of those 26 years, I tried to get out of it. And um, <laughs> so and so then I'll say something to the effect of, you know, I, I used to love my patients, but my favorite part was listening to their stories. Yes. And but I stayed in a job way too long for all the wrong reasons. So when you think about sharing that with an audience, how many people do you think are sitting in a job that they really don't love, but they can't walk away from? Right. So suddenly they've got their ears perked up going, oh, maybe she can help me. And then the, the next part of that is, and once I got out of that job, I thought, well, I'm free because I actually begged to be fired. They were downtown mm-hmm. in my department. And I thought, okay, now I'm free. And then I found out that I was still captive in my own head because those voices in my head said, you're not good enough. You don't have enough. You're not trained enough. You don't have all this stuff. So now you're looking at a whole different audience thinking, oh, I'm not good enough to be an entrepreneur. I'm not this. So Mm -hmm. those are the people that tend to come to me to work with me and help create those stories because then they can kind of see that we have a connection. And whether it's a business connection or just a personal connection, your your audience will find that, um, your listeners will find that people are attracted to you on different levels. And mm-hmm. that's how you build those tribes that follow you because they, they, they know you get them. And right. They feel connected to you. And they don't do it just by, they don't feel connected just by saying, here's my product, buy it. Mm-hmm. They have to have that right. deeper level. Right. Well, and you look at, the, the the you know we'll we'll use example of big companies so the companies who can afford massive amounts of advertising they tell the stories yes um you know one of my favorites is is Budweiser now I'm not a beer drinker you know and and even if I do drink beer I don't drink Budweiser so you know full disclaimer on that <laughs> but I absolutely love the commercials oh, no the Clydesdales I mean you know I have I've seen the Clydesdales in person uh, you know I will I will go out of my way to go see the Clydesdales. Of course, we we love the fact that now all of the the commercials for the Super Bowl are leaked early, so that we can watch them. You know, and 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 the Clydesdales and a little puppy do not have anything to do with beer, mm-hmm. but we love those stories. Right. Um, you know, and 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 you see, you know, the I'm thinking like the Matthew McConaughey car commercials. Right. Where, you know, now I look at that and, and I, I'm one of those, you know, skeptical people. I'm like, yeah, right. Somebody who makes as much money as he is, is not driving that. And he's, you know, probably not even driving himself. But, <laughs> you know, there's there's the story in it, you know, and, and all of these various things. And they're very successful. But, you know, but it, it, it does come back to like the Super Bowl commercials. Those that tell those stories we remember. I mean, one of my favorite commercials and this, oh, good heavens, it was probably on. 15 years ago or so maybe was the herding cats commercial oh. and you know and, and the, the the wranglers are out there and they're herding the cats and for years I never could even remember what the company was which obviously that's a branding mistake but um you know it was it, we remember herding cats and now we use that as a phrase and and all sorts of things and and so they get it they use the stories and and you know we're not saying the stories are true you know, hello, this is, is a world where we write fiction all the time, right. 
But when you use the story to tell about your product or your service, people get it and they understand it. Yes, and it, it pulls them in. And other companies, you know, uh, there's Tom Shoes and their back-end story, I think, is if you buy a pair of shoes, another pair of shoes goes somewhere else. So they right, have right. an entire... Uh, and people feel compassion and apathy and they want to support those kinds of things. So mm -hmm. um, you can create stories on all different levels. And and I was reading in a book one time, it was talking about the fact that we all just make, we whether we want to or not, we make snap judgments about right, right. people. And so we already create these stories in our head that about a person or a business or, um, you know, a brand, whatever that may be. And so if we're already going to create that, then that's, we as a company or an entrepreneur or whatever need to create that story because people are going to share the story they think they know. Mm -hmm. And if they've created it and it's not a good story, that's the story they're going to share. But if you create that story and help them learn more about you and become part of you and your business, then that becomes the story they share. And mm -hmm. there's no greater influence than than sharing a story and then having someone fall in love with you and then they share your story for you. So it right. should be right. a good story that they share. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, right. Well, and, and we're not saying, you know, there there is a difference between embellishing on a story and, you know, and, and there are definitely times where you do not lie. Okay. Um, you know, for example, you were a nurse for 26 years. That's the God's honest truth. Right. If you said you were a neurologist for 26 years. Okay. <laughs> we don't want to make up fiction stories, that's for sure. Right. So th right. That certainly doesn't build no like and trust for at all. But, you know, there, there are lots of... Um, when I work with my clients, I talk about different kinds of stories. So you have a signature story uh, that you tell that's really about you, especially if you're an entrepreneur or you're a smart yeah, How you got into that business. Absolutely. Usually. Absolutely. And But then I also, I speak. And so when I speak, I have what I call, my air quotes over here, a story closet. Because what you will find is if you're giving a presentation and you have an overall, um, your big picture that you're sharing with people, if you give examples and those, those points are supported by a story example, people mm -hmm. will get that and they'll remember that and they'll walk away remembering you versus if you put up a PowerPoint slide of a statistic or, a, you know, a written fact, demonstrate it, show them, tell mm -hmm. them in a story why that point is important or what result people have gotten from those things. So, so I help people create these story closets so that you have a story in your hip pocket. So I think everybody needs to have like 10 different stories okay. and they support, uh, like if I talk to the same group, um, I want a different story to support my point the second time I talk to them. So it's kind of like you keep it in your hip pocket. You know what these stories are. And honestly, this is what makes you unique. You're the only one that's lived these stories. Right, right. Um, I tell a story and I've been telling it for years. My father lived with us for years. He's been, um, he passed away about seven years ago and he, we have this story about, it's a good communication, but it's where he couldn't tell me where to go to the barber shop. And so I had to find it. And he's like, I hate that barber shop. I go because they give a nice haircut, but they have this monkey in a cage. And it, and <laughs> he says it yabbers at you the whole time. And so I tell this whole story. And when I get there, 
it's not a monkey, it's a parrot. And I'm like, Dad, that's a parrot, not a monkey. He goes, oh, you knew what I meant. And I went, no, I really didn't know what you meant. And monkeys throw poo at you, so I'm glad it's a parrot, not a monkey. I mean, there's a whole story about that. So it's an everyday experience. That's the other thing that people don't understand. Stories come from every day. They don't have to be, some people think that you have to be really analytical and technical and create this, they get really tied up in creating the perfect story that yes. you know it, it answers every question answers all the questions but they don't they come from everyday experiences and I can guarantee you that not every story you tell will resound with every single person so you just you know you choose the stories and your audience will come to you so right, right. Well, now you work with businesses and with individuals to help them develop these stories and you know as, as you're talking through this and you know especially having that that closet that backlog of, of stories uh-huh. I, I just, I, I do a total blank. Um, you know, I, I, and, and it's one of those things. So how do you get somebody from thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have any story or anything of interest that somebody's going to care about to having these stories that they have prepared? I mean, do you have them write them down? What, what is the process? Well, I have several exercises we do, um, that are, there are several things you can do. So, you know, you can think about big events that have happened in your life. You can think about little things. Stories come from nature. So I have this whole list of what is it that's made a big difference. First off, you have to start with what is it you want your audience to feel? What is it you try to tell your audience? And how is it that you, what is the end result you want to take away with that? And then once you create that, then we look and see, so what's happened in, you know, in the past year, in the past 10 or 15 years, what happened in your childhood, what's happened in the past few days, things like that, that you are, that sometimes can leave an impression. And I tell people to carry a little notebook with them. And when stories pop into their head, they need to jot it down then because Uh once it's gone, it's gone. Typically, um, I keep a notebook by my bed. I'll wake up sometimes in the middle of the night or first thing in the morning and I have dreamed something and I think, oh, that'd be an awesome story. My other big Mm -hmm. thing is in the shower and a friend of mine gave me a waterproof notepad that I hang (laughs) in the shower. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> my best ideas come from there. Right. But, and the second you dry off, it's gone out of your it's brain. It's gone. I know. I know. So so um, I, so I we start from those places that have made you think. And, and then we can take them and create a story that, um, that might, might reflect one of your points or one of your, um, something you want to support or share with others. So that's not the signature story. That's primarily supporting these other points. So for right now I have a, for instance, I have recently been having a huge landscape project going on. Uh, and so I, one of my stories here, and I was looking at the other day and I thought that would be a perfect story because it's almost, if you can relate that to a business So we all start a business and we think, okay, this is exactly how I want this to go. This is what's going to happen. So the landscape is the very first thing. So I'm all excited going to have this landscape project. Well, the first time the guy takes a bobcat and digs it into the ground to cut the first piece of land, he hit a uh, hornet's nest. Oh. And he went flying across the yard. And by the end of the day, he had 26 stings on him. And, and that's how. So so when you think about a business, you think, oh, this is exactly how I wanted to go. And then the first thing you try is like, oh, crap, that didn't work out quite so well. This is what happened. So so as you think about things like that in everyday life and and whatever point you want to talk about, 
mm-hmm. um, then you start simply kind of relating the two together. So, um, so again, I have these exercises we go through, try to pull them out. It's harder for some people than others um, right, right. because they don't think in that way. Um, I have a workshop that I do and actually I have a creative specialist come in and she helps people uh, use their brain. You know, some of us are left brain and right brain and some just, we just can't think creatively. We're more technical mm-hmm. thinking. And uh, so she kind of helps you switch your thinking around a little bit so that you can okay, use okay. the other side of your brain some. So sometimes it takes writing and so I will tell people to write and it doesn't, like you, you, you start writing and you just write free form and, but you keep on writing. So the first 10 minutes of writing, you probably will throw that away. It takes like 10 minutes to start getting your, the good stuff out of you kind of thing. So, and it's the same way with thinking about the stories and we just discard things like they don't matter, but they really you can take any story and you can support something with that. So mm-hmm. if you like humorous stories, if you like um, stories that are kind of mysterious stories that you can kind of go back and forth on that are, and the hero stories are always wonderful. Uh, oftentimes we have a struggle story or a um, from rags to riches kind of thing, or we have a, um, like a redo, a, um, why can't I think of the word right the second I'm drawing a blank, but it's, it's a, a makeover story as well. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So all of those are different types of stories. And you just, when we figure out what your points are and how you want your audience to feel, then we start digging into the stories like that. And the interesting thing is that, you know, all stories have certain elements to them. You've got your plot, your character, your setting, you know, the conflict and the resolution. So that's a basic story that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, There's also, I have a formula for a story where you start out and you have, you know, you define all those and then you kind of come around to what is your, your conflict and then how do you resolve it? It's a story arch type thing. Okay. But oftentimes what I really like to do is help people create what I call 3D stories where they can, you have to put a lot of detail into them. When you're telling a story, you are painting a picture for someone. They, it's like that. Remember that exercise we used to do as kids where the teacher would give you an orange and they'd say, you pretend that you can't see it, so you have Mm -hmm, to describe mm it. And Mm -hmm. that was always so hard for me to do. But stories are kind of the same way because you have to, nobody was there to live that story. And so if you don't put enough detail in it and describe it, then you will not bring any kind of emotional um, or personal, you won't have a living, breathing story. And that's what a 3D story is, is you've got to get that emotion in there and make it meaningful for others to touch them. Because when you connect with people at the heart, that's mm-hmm. when they will follow you and they buy with their head. So, right, right. so you have to create a story in a 3D form um, so that you put the detail in there. Mm-hmm. And um, again, they they typically come from from everyday happenings um, and things that just catch your Sometimes things happen and you just have to really be aware. So I try to teach a lot of awareness of stories, uh-huh. awareness of everyday things. Um, and and then we take those, um, especially if somebody really liked something that happened or 
didn't like something, you know, either those really strong emotions. So something happens mm-hmm. during the day and, and you really liked or didn't like it, or you um, thought it was really odd or something to that effect. We can take those and we break them down. We can mold them into what you want to support with that story. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yes. Well, and you know, what about the people who are saying, but nobody cares about my story? You know, I'm I'm a boring person, nothing good has ever happened to me. And 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 obviously things are happening to them and, and all sorts of things, but how do you get them past that nobody cares point? We do uh lots and lots of um talking. <laughs> Lots and lots of talking, Mm -hmm. lots and lots of writing. Um, It's again, sometimes it is simply, and it's not just telling them, oh, yeah, you are special because everybody's special, but they have to Mm -hmm. kind of see it. So once you begin to, um, to write those things down or talk about those things, oftentimes what I will do is I have an exercise and, uh, a mutual friend of ours uh, taught me this exercise, but it's asking why five different times. And so I'll ask a question and I will say, um, so why did, uh, I don't know, why did you go to the supermarket? And they'll say, because I did da, 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 da. And I'll say, but why did you da, da, do that? And then they come back again. And then I'll say, why mm-hmm. did you do that? And so it's really like unpeeling uh, or peeling okay. layers of an onion because mm-hmm. people don't think deep enough. People think very shallow for the most part. Mm-hmm. The good stuff is at the core. And, and right. so you have to peel that away. Mm-hmm. So I will, uh, many times with my clients, I will sit and interview them basically and record what mm-hmm. they say. And it is why this, and then why again, and then why again, and why again, until we get down to the real core of that. And mm-hmm. that's where we often will find the gold. Right. Yeah, it, it's funny when you were thinking of that, I was thinking of an example. Now this, you know, this did not happen to me, but I was just thinking this might be a cool thing. So, you know, you went to the store to buy Oreo cookies. Well, why did you go to buy Oreo cookies? Well, because they were on sale. Well, why, you know, and then pretty soon the last one is, because I used to have Oreo cookies with my grandfather and it was such a special time. And you're like, ding, 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 ding. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how many people do you think used to have Oreo cookies with their grandfather or Mm -hmm. something similar to that where they can really connect at that level and say, Oh yeah, me too. I really, I remember that, that, and that triggers your audience to be connected to you. So, yes. So saying, you know, that the, the why is kind of the why game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Which we hate when you're talking to a three-year-old, when all they're doing is why, yeah. you know, but, but it, it, it serves a purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and it's just that most people don't know how to tap into that. And, um, and I, I, listen, I have spoken before. And when I got finished speaking, somebody said to me one time, I just don't get what this story has to do with anything. I mean, there are still people right, who right. are like that. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, to me, that was a big red flag. I obviously hadn't explained it well enough. But what I really want to say is that story is, story is everything. That's how people get to know you and know mm-hmm. who you are. And they know your values and your beliefs and 
And again, I think I said earlier in the beginning, oftentimes people don't want to let down their guard enough to share their story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you really have to, I have to work with people to get past that because, right. because that is what connects to others. It lets you be vulnerable in mm-hmm. front of others and right. whether it's writing or talking and, um, or speaking and, you know, for me, uh, years ago, my mother passed away 20-something years ago, and she said to me, um, I was really angry at the time, I can tell you, I mean, it was a, a, a misdiagnosis is what it was, mm-hmm. and, I was, and she said to me on her deathbed, you know, you need to get rid of that anger, it's going to eat you up alive. And mm-hmm. so people ask me now, you know, why are you always like so happy and stuff? And it's kind of like... Because I thought, well, if she could get rid of that anger, I could. And right, so right. I have to, so some, that's a very vulnerable thing. I don't really like going around telling people I was really angry because I don't look like it on the outside. And I'm not anymore. But that was something I had to work through. So people get that part of it, too. And um, But she died very young. And I thought mm-hmm. well, another part of my thing was I said to myself at that point, I, life is too short. She was taken very early and life is too short to not do something that you really enjoy. Right. Right. And so I put that part into it too. So, you know, again, people relate to that, but it's sometimes you have to look inward and be willing to be vulnerable to create those stories. And mm-hmm. that's not always, um, the easiest thing. Sometimes there's a lot of tears there cause it brings up, it triggers things in you. And right, so, right. um, but it's it's almost a little bit like therapy, but it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean it's not therapy, but it's almost like it. But it's it's amazing the people in this world who will relate to you and understand where you're coming from, and they're right. like, oh my gosh, I, I'm the same. I feel the same way. I, I totally mm-hmm. the same way. So, well, and if they don't relate, then they're probably not going to buy your product or your service, and that's okay. There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. And everybody's not for you. That's the other thing you need to understand. Everybody's not your client Mm -hmm. and they're not all going to relate. You have, I mean, I bet you had uh, lots of different boyfriends when you were growing up. I always laugh. I go, you know, it's kind of like boyfriends. I had a lot of them who liked me more than I liked them, but we just weren't Mm -hmm. good matches and that's okay. So (laughs) yeah. You know, and, and, and it doesn't mean that there was anything wrong or anything like that. It just wasn't a good fit. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think that's probably, again, that's one of those things that people can relate to. They're like, oh yeah, you know, I, I shouldn't have stayed married to that person or dated that mm-hmm. person or kept that job. Um, you know, all of those things. And, and I mean, there are people, it's, it's funny. I'm friends with someone on Facebook who, um, I've known for many, many, many years. We won't say how long. Um, but she got married at 17 and she is still absolutely and totally devoted to her husband which is just the sweetest thing in the world, you know, and, and so, you know, she, she probably couldn't relate to the, you know, having, you know, several boyfriends, but her story is she found the right one to start with. Right. And, you know, and, and that's what I love about it is, you know, there's, there's something in the story that we can find that we either think, wow, you know, um, or sometimes you think, nah, that didn't happen that way. Uh, you know, we've all, you know, read or, or seen or been talking to somebody where you've heard their story and you thought, nah, uh. yeah, <laughs> you've got to be lying over there. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and, and I mean, you know, there's, there's the people that have done everything, 
you know, and, and it's like, no, you, you, you can't have done everything and experienced everything. You know, they've got a, well, that happened to me type of thing for every single thing that happens. And, you know, some of that is just people, you know, they're, they're trying to, to be liked, being accepted, things like that. So that is where it gets tricky is you, you can't be everything to everyone. Yes. And you bring that up and that's a good point because when I do some presentations, one of the things I talk about is that all not all stories are not created equal um, mm-hmm. because sometimes people just get up because they want to, he- sometimes people get up because they're, and this isn't speaking in presentations, but they want to just hear themselves talk. So they tell right, a story right. for story's sake. And mm-hmm. most people don't want to hear a story for story's sake. Right. And, and they can tell that that's what's going absolutely. on. Absolutely. And the other thing is people tell stories because, um, and I, and I, I usually surmise to myself that perhaps they feel insecure or they're trying to look like more than, or like they've done more than they have or or whatever the case may be, but they tell stories that strictly pump them up. And other people do not relate to when you say, you know, here it is. I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth and everything just came to me. And so that's how I got to where I am. You will not attract people with that story. Um, right. That is what I would call a silver spoon story. And mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. are not, they just aren't attracted to hearing you. Um, people, Listen, nobody loves a story. People like to relate to people. And they right, can't right. relate on that level for the most part. Mm-hmm. And when people have a little bit of a struggle in there somewhere along the way, and it doesn't have to be like a, life or death struggle it just maybe it's that you didn't know what you wanted to do and so you struggled for forever until you finally figured out Mm -hmm. but it wasn't but the detail behind that would be and so I tried this job and that didn't work out and I tried this job and got paid three dollars an hour for it or I tried because I am really um I'm really open about I like to try different things Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what I want to do after nursing but the whole time I was in nursing I had a little wallpaper business I did some and I realized when I left my kids at home in the pouring down rain because I'd forgotten I had too much on my plate and they got off the bus, <laughs> it was in the storm and I'm calling my neighbor and I was halfway across town. And uh-huh. so I was like, well, that's not going to work for me too well. And then mm-hmm. I laugh about being, uh, I took a pottery class. I always thought I would be a, a, I love pottery and I had this vision in my head that I'd be like Demi Moore, you know, and Patrick. Right, right. That was what I saw in my head. But when I got there, I couldn't center the pottery on the wheel. Uh, you know, I didn't like the grit under my nails. And so you go into this big detail and I would come stomping home and my husband finally said, this was supposed to be relaxing. Maybe you should find something else too. Uh-huh. It's not working. It's not working. <laughs> so, so people get that you try different things. And my latest thing was that I thought, well, I'd love to be an Uber driver. And so I did that for about a week. And then I had this presentation that I did at a sheriff's department. And this woman said, mm-hmm. you know, before I did whatever she was doing, she said, I was a police officer for 17 years. And when mm-hmm. people got in the back of my car, she said they'd been frisked, patted down, yeah. and there was a grate between the two of us. I would never let anybody in the back of my car as a woman. And I said, well, that was kind of like the nail in the coffin, so I don't do Uber anymore. But right. but people can go, oh, this girl's either crazy or insane, or we get that you tried a ton of things to figure out where you want to be, you know? Right. So that's what people relate to. They do not relate to the, I just got here and I'm perfect and you want to be a part of me. So 
Mm-hmm. That's not where they're going. So all right. stories are not created equal. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and of course, one of the things that we are told is as professionals is listening is one of the best things as opposed to leaping in with a, well, I've had that happen to me too Absolutely. type of, of thing. And, and, and so it's, it's letting them tell their story. Yeah. So how do you encourage people and, and work with them to, to, for that to happen? Uh, oftentimes I will just say, here's an example of something. Now tell me what you do or tell me, have you tried anything? And, you know, and a lot of times that comes in that, um, all that, that interview type, that's not a mm-hmm. why game, but it's in the interview type thing of tell me what you've done and what else have you done and what drove you to do that? And, mm-hmm. uh, what it did, what did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? And those kinds of questioning to help right. them come through and just, cause oftentimes when people say to you, so I hate that word. So I use it all the time. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but we do, you I, know, we, well, <laughs> our mutual friend told me he was going to slap me one time if I said it one time. Um, but anyway, um, when, when you, when you say to people, what do you want to do? People don't know what they want to do. And oftentimes we just figure out what we want to do by figuring out what we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to really dive into, well, you did that. You tried that. What did you like? What didn't you like? What relates to that? What do you think you might want to do aside from that? And, and so doing those interview type questions and really listening to what they're telling you and then mm-hmm. giving a suggestion on top of that to, it's not really a suggestion, but it's a way to, they're triggers. They're things that make right, them right. think in a different way um, to, to then expand upon those ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes people have a hard, especially when you're in the forest, you can't see the trees. So you have a hard time right. thinking outside the box or thinking for yourself until an outside force helps you uh, look at something differently. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know about you, but many times, suddenly, sometimes I think I'm really slow sometimes because it's like, I'll be thinking, 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 racking my brain. And then all of a sudden, if I'm just quiet enough to listen to what I'm thinking about, then the answer will come. And then it's like a light bulb moment. So Mm -hmm. it's just that we have a hard time when we're so focused on getting the answer. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think all people are that way. So they need help to help pull them, pull those questions out or look at things differently and things like Mm -hmm. that. Well, and we, you know, human nature is we love to talk about ourselves. Uh-huh. And so when someone is encouraging us to talk about themselves, you know, we, we think they're the greatest person in the world. And, you know, and, and we see that in networking tips. They say, you know, ask them questions. And, and in particular, some of the best networking tips I've seen have said, don't ask them about business. You uh-huh. know, ask them what brought you here to this group. Mm-hmm. You know, how, you know what did you do over the weekend? You know, those type of things, as opposed to tell me what you sell. Um, you know, and, and, and then you're getting to know more about them. You're learning their story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I totally agree with that. I, I, I love to say, how do you know whoever may be putting on the event right. or how did you find out about the event or do you have any friends here or um, those kinds of, if you weren't here, what would you be doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, ah. Fun, fun things like that. And mm-hmm. um, um, So yeah, definitely letting them talk about themselves. And when I am working with clients, oftentimes I'll put the phone down and record them. And so mm. we're doing an interview 
and then mm-hmm. I have what they've said, or I'll mm-hmm. send them the the recording afterwards, and that is so easy to do, and they can listen back to it and hear what they've said. Right. And, um, so we've both gotten to listen to them, um, but it's easier to just feel like you're having a conversation than feeling like you're being, you know, mm-hmm. asked and questioned and you're on the spot. So, right. and people need to understand there's no right or wrong. I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. stories are stories. There's no right or wrong one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's, it's really a very fascinating, it's, it's really very fascinating to be honest. And I've had business right. coaches after business coach. And here was my greatest problem is I had a business coach. Well, I've had several business coaches and they've said, well, you know, people don't wake up when you're trying to figure out what you want to do. They're like, well, people don't wake up in the morning wanting a better story. They wake up in the morning and they want to be able to speak better or whatever that is. But my heart is so with stories because I think Mm -hmm. that is a, a, um, something that we've got it's kind of like thank you notes we don't really tell them anymore and right. uh we don't write thank you notes anymore it's a it's a lost art almost and mm-hmm. figuring out how to to tell those and share those with others is to me one of the greatest things i think if we all had a better story we could change and we spoke it then we change mm-hmm. the world is what i think right um, right you know i've done some studies on you know there's lots of homeless people and things like that and that's a uh, my heart goes to that population mm-hmm. because oftentimes when you, uh, people will look at a homeless person and think, Oh, they're just a bum out there on the street. But many times they've had a tragic something happen and, and they lost their job and then they lost right. their family and they lost their car and they didn't know where to go. So mm-hmm. there are stories behind why they are there. And I think mm-hmm. if we would take the time to listen to what some of these stories were, um, that we would be looking at things totally differently. And um, right. so, so that goes away from, I mean, that's just a passion of mine, but that goes away from storytelling for business. But I, I think stories are so important in so many different aspects of our life. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lost art. So right. I'm, on, I'm on a mission to kind of bring it back. So <laughs> Cool. Well, and, and you touched on, you know, the fact that sometimes as a business, you have to tell other people's stories. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I immediately thought of, you know, when you were talking about the, the homeless people, when I was in Denver, um, the company that I worked with, we were very philanthropic minded. And we got involved with an organization that only worked with homeless women. And it's it's an extremely underserved population mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons, but most of which is we don't like to think of the fact that women are homeless, you know, because that's mom, that's your sister, that's you. And so we just, and, and you know, there are just as many homeless women as men to, well, maybe not quite, but, but, you know, we just, we don't acknowledge them. And I remember, you know, so this organization was new. We'd actually had some deaths in the, the Denver community. And so that was why they were starting this. And we were very... It, it was great to be able to help them. But one of the stories that we, that we, and this was a true story. We didn't embellish on it at all, but um, it was this woman who came to us and, and she was just devastated because she had lost her rope and we were all going rope. <laughs> and, and it really, it, it was a rope, you know, and, and we were just totally perplexed as to why the heck this you know woman needed a rope and what was going on. And she didn't want food. She didn't want clothes. She wanted a rope from us. And so when we explored it now, I say we as in the general sense, I mean, we clearly had someone who knew what they were doing when they were talking with her and, and helping her. 
and they they got that her story was that she had been um, sexually assaulted multiple times and and frequently in in shelters, which was why she wouldn't go to a shelter. And so to sleep at night, she would climb a tree and tie herself to the tree. And then when she fell asleep, she wouldn't fall out of the tree. And so when someone stole her rope, she couldn't sleep. sleep. And, you know, and, and yes, we use that to help raise money for the shelter. But, you know, and, and, and that is sometimes what we do is we use somebody else's story to help sell our product or our service. And, and, you know, you always have to have permission or you change the names and, you know, all those various things. But, you know, everybody has that story. And, but that tugged at the heartstrings. I mean, and that really was something that when we would tell people that and say, you know, you know, we were a very small shelter, we could only house 20 uh, women a night. But it it really did help us to be able to say, this is why we need a, a female only shelter because of people like that. Um, you know, and, and so how do you use other people's stories because you know we haven't had those experiences and and you know maybe my you know like you're an insurance salesman or an investment banker or something like that you're telling other people's stories in order to convince people to to work with you how do you develop those and and what is that process well oftentimes um oftentimes if you know that story and you because that that story about the rope that is that tears in my heartstrings. That's I, I know, so, you know, yes. And so, so what will happen is you don't have to mention their names. You can mm-hmm. say, and you can you can use when you're presenting. You can say something to the effect of, "You had a client. You knew a person. You had a knew a foundation," um, and. And then you can tell the story without that person's name in there. Obviously, I don't right. want to put that in the person's name in there. Again, those become case studies and they become mm-hmm. uh, examples of what you would want to use. But if you know those, I have used stories of people who I do not know. I do not mention the name. Um, you know, I've done a research shows or in one organization that I know of, this happened, um, those kinds of things. But they are... And you, that story you just told, I mean, you could tell that again and again and again. And as an example of why you need a story to share the misfortune of others and, right. and what they, you know, why that would be so important. Mm-hmm. And so again, yeah, so we, we have our own stories and our personal stories, our personal branding story, our personal stories that have happened to us. And then those stories that have happened to others. And um, you know, oftentimes I'm, I'm thinking of a large corporation. It's, it's hard to tell, it's hard to tell your own story when you are very philanthropic. You know what I mean? Right. Um, mm-hmm. because it's hard, it's like tooting your own horn yes. and it's hard to toot your own horn. So oftentimes it's easier to have someone else tell your story for you and many mm-hmm. corporations and organizations that, are happy to have you tell their story. You just have to, you make sure that you get it correct. Right. Um, and, but, 
but many times they're, they're glad for you to help them because you're really spreading the word for them and mm-hmm. helping them build a business um, or build it in a different way. Um, there's a, a large corporation that had gotten a bad rap for a lot of things, but they do, they have an entire mission where they help people who have returned from, um, from service and mm-hmm. they help them build homes. Wow. And, but they can't go out and say, we built this home for this person, this uh-huh. home for this person. Because it just looks like it's bragging. Absolutely. It looks like one of those stories is not going to make any, it's not going to sit well. It looks like you're not telling mm-hmm. the truth or something. So if if they would reach out and have someone tell their stories for them, that mm-hmm. would be like gold to right. them. Right. So, so, and I think we all, um, and this would be a business tactic, would be to find people who have similar um, to find people who could help you share your story. Mm-hmm. And so, so if you found another entrepreneur or a, um, um, a small business owner and you could help one another, it's almost like an affiliate type thing, right, but right. you share that story and they share your story and that helps to promote one another. Then oftentimes that is a beautiful relationship made and will help your business tenfold. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Well, and it is about building that tribe also, Absolutely, you know, where you've got these raving fans who, you know, especially on social media are, are going to tell your story. Mm-hmm. They don't always get it right. You know, and as long as it's not, you know, some, some really big error, it's okay for stuff to be, you know, a little bit incorrect. But I think that's, that is one of the things that we have seen so much with social media is the positive and the negative. You know, we've got the people who absolutely rave about a company in a positive manner. And unfortunately, then when things happen, they, you know, are more than happy to go to Twitter or Facebook or wherever and say, oh my goodness, you're not going to believe this horrible thing that happened to me. So how, how do you kind of counteract the negatives? Well, uh, first off, if you're in social media and that's something that's happened, you you need to address that head on. If it's your company, mm-hmm. you need to address it head on and um, and immediately. So if someone is if someone is talking about your business on social media because you haven't gotten back to them fast enough or you didn't solve something. Everything is so public now. Everything's public. And people would much rather talk about something bad than something good, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, So if, if that is you and something like that's going on for me, I would go straight to the same channel and I would probably offer up whatever apology it was, I don't, mm-hmm. I think ownership will take you a very long way versus yes. excuses. And right. so an apology, ownership, owning up to it, and then making it right is, is the, the best way as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned and, and, and being very truthful. So it could mm-hmm. be, you know, some something didn't happen and you say, I am so sorry that happened. I take full responsibility. There are no excuses and this is how we're going to make it right. And right. that alone will, will probably diffuse something 99%. And then they'll want mm-hmm. to share the good part of how you react right. to it. And that, and then it becomes a better cycle mm-hmm. that way. Well, and of course, one of the problems with social media is that it's evergreen. You know, we've all seen stories that have, have popped up that were things that happened years ago. You know, I remember one where it was um, one of the, the big companies that provides printers, you know, manufactures printers. And I saw this story in this news in my newsfeed that said that, you know, this uh, 
person was in, uh, you know, soldier in Afghanistan. His printer had quit. He, you know, needed it replaced. And he contacted the company and was told, you're too far away and we're not going to, to fix that. And of course, oh, this was horrible. This was awful. As it should be. I mean, you know, there was all this hue and cry. You weren't helping soldiers, blah, 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 blah. Well, the story was over five years old. The company had not only fixed his printer and gave, or given him a new one, they had changed their policies so that any uh, active service member or veteran, you know, there were no questions asked. They replaced the, the equipment, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and, and, but their immediate instinct was, well, let's not respond to it because it will go away. You know, and, and that's true. It's, you know, the, the next news cycle comes along, but there was so much hue and cry that they had to respond to it. And then it gave them a positive way. They were able to say, you know, yes, this happened five years ago. Here are the changes we have made since then. And exactly what happened was what you said. Then there were all of these people that said, oh my gosh, we, you know, I was serving in wherever, or I'm a veteran and, and they did replace my printer, blah, 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 blah. So it, it gives companies that opportunity, you know, and, and we never should hide our heads in the sand. It doesn't matter how bad the situation is. You know, if you don't acknowledge it, then it grows feet and grows legs oh. and the story gets bigger. <laughs> And, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And, you know, I have people tell me this all the time. The companies will say, well, we don't want to be on social media because people will say bad things. And I tell them they're saying it anyway. Don't you want to be able to fix it? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you just can't, you cannot hide from it. And there is that trying to put your head in the sand, as you say, looks worse than if you just go ahead and, and address it head on. I will right. tell you something interesting. Now, this really doesn't have anything to do with social media per se, except that I had uh, actually just had my fill of all the negative stuff in the era that we're in right now. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. and so Election. I started, mm -hmm. well, that, and it's just, I mean, everything is just, everybody's angry right now. Right. And so right. I went and started a Facebook group that anyone can join. There are no sales. There's no anything, but it's called Stories That Make You Smile. Oh, I love and it. And it's simply a, you know, a regularly posted story of something I don't know. It could be somebody did something nice for somebody. It could be a corporation did something. It could be a goat story or a dog story. I love baby goats and I love dogs. So those appear in there frequently, but anyone can join that. So if you just want a, a group to belong to where nice things happen every day, please come to that. That's a, I'd love to have you be a part of it. So, and so again, that was stories that make you smile. Mm -hmm. It's on Facebook. Yep. Yep. Cool. Cool. So, well, anyway. you know, we've only got about five minutes left. So tell people, well, you know, well, we're not cutting it off right now, but tell people how they find you online and, and work with you. Okay. Awesome. Um, I do work with individuals and, but I love to teach. And so my website is Susan B as in boy. So Susan B McMullen, M C M U L L E N.com. You can also go to Susan McMullen.com. They'll go to the same place. I, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Susan B. McMullen and then Facebook is, uh, Susan B. McMullen too. I think it's Susan B. Susan B. McMullen coach or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, I'll send you the link, but, um, I, several times a year I have, um, I'm doing something that's called Story Brand Live, and I'm in the Atlanta area. So this is a live event where we get together, and um, it's a full-day intensive is what it is. So we, okay, okay. we talk about 
why you need stories for branding, why all stories aren't made equally. And then we work on that creative specialist comes. Uh, we work on ways to create stories for you and that story closet and things of the such. And then I'm also have an online program. And so you can go to storybrandlive.com and get the information for the latest one that we have coming up. Um, and then again, that's kind of an evergreen ongoing thing. So if there's not one available for that or the online program, there will be a landing page where they can jump on the list or they can, okay. um, on my website, I have a free, uh, free gift. If anyone would like to get that, it's called, uh, get known seven essential places to infuse your story so that, and I have it right here. Oh, yay. <laughs> Yes, seven essential places to infuse your story so you can build your brand, attract your tribe, and grow your business. And that's, again, uh, stories to me. Stories are the bomb. So that's my thing. So. Right. Well, and, and I love this. You know, it's, it's a, a very short little PDF. We're not talking that you're, you know, downloading 100 pages. And, and this was funny. So I'm reading through it. So you've got the seven places that you should be known. And one of, and in that you need to tell your story. And one of them, and I went, oh, light bulb flickered. And I was like, oh dear, because you know, I'm thinking social media, all those various places, was your bio. And how many times do we do our bio as, I went to school at, and I got my degree in. Now, you know, and for all of this, folks, we're not talking, give every single detail. Yes, there is this thing called TMI, but how many people have the bio that is so dry and so boring that even when you read it yourself or when someone you love reads it, they go yawn. <laughs> I know I have a PhD and I have a BS and I've got a certification and you're like, those are great. But in the end, Deb, people come because of you. Right, um, right. They don't come because of the letters behind your name. No, ever. no, ever. So, you know, you know and and some of the people that are the best teachers, trainers, have the greatest product, service, whatever it is, don't have any of those letters, you know, after or before their name. You know, they, they're just fabulous people. Absolutely. So that's, a, that's really very important to make sure that you have a little something about yourself and not just your credentials mm -hmm. um, in your bio. Absolutely. So, and the other thing I was going to tell you too is that I am a director in Georgia of a networking event called Over 40 Females. Oh, yes. A proud member here. Yes, yes. We love that group. It's awesome. It was created by a woman named Judy Goss for women who are literally over 40 females to not only, is it, and it's a, it's a national networking group. And the premise of it is that we connect and build relationships so that we can uh, support one another and inspire one another. And then through building those relationships, the belief is that business will then come. So right, it is a right. national organization. If you're in the Atlanta area, I am the perimeter director of that. Um, but you can look it up and, and we'd love to have you visit our chapter or any other chapter. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. And the cool thing is, you know, there's a lot of online information because, you know, you might be in an area that doesn't have a local chapter. And so you, you still want to check online and, and see what's there because it's, it's all about nourishing those relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Great. Very cool. Well, uh, can you believe has it? Has it been an hour? Oh my God. It has been an hour. The little clock is going ga-dingy, ga-dingy, dingy, dingy. <laughs> um, you know, one last time, tell people where they find you online. At SusanBMcMullen.com or check out StoryBrand Live. I'd love to have you there. And I can't thank you enough for having me as your guest today. 
Perfect. I love it. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a great time getting to know even more about Susan McMullen than I already knew. And so please check her out. And to everyone, have an absolutely great day. Thanks for listening to Deb Creer, your social media friend. Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.